All right, you'll probably notice a couple of things uh, that may be different on that video. Uh, so first of all, we made the video about a year and a half ago, I think. And since that time, I guess I've been on the road for a while and I've lost some more hair. So that has changed. Uh, but secondly, we have also, ha- we have a second child now. And so that's a blessing. So Allison, you saw her on the video, but she was quite small. She's now a toddler, almost two years old. And then we have Madeline and uh, she is two months old. And so they're both in the nursery this evening. Uh, but that's our family. So anyway, the content of the ministry has not changed, um, but those other things have. But I do want to explain just one quick thing before we get into the message. You saw there on the video the, the lady, Christine McLaughlin, and she has started a, a medical ministry there in the Ivory Coast uh, with the main primary purpose of accompanying the church planting effort there. So it's not just there uh, to offer free medical care without presenting the gospel. That's not the point, uh, but it's uh, in conjunction with presenting the gospel in conjunction with church planting. So that's how her medical ministry works. So when we go to the Ivory Coast and we seek to establish churches in some of these unreached villages, uh, we may come up with a little bit of opposition where the village may be closed. And if we do, then we're going to be able to work closely with that medical ministry. And it's already really been proven to work very, very effectively. I'm going to explain how that works. When I was there in 2017, uh, there was a national pastor. His name is Pastor Zama, and he had a desire to plant a, a church in the village of Zange. And so he went to the chief of Zange and said, hey, can I start a church here? And uh, naturally, the, the chief said, no, you know, we already have every church we need here, and so you can't come in. Uh, but Pastor Zama was determined, and so he went to Christine McLaughlin, the single uh, missionary nurse there, and said, can you organize a, a medical team to come up here to Zange and offer free medical care to this village to show them how much we care about them? Uh, so they did that, and I was able to be a part of that trip and observe it that summer. And during that uh, that week, it was amazing because they treated over 700 patients, uh, just various sicknesses and diseases and things like that, you know, offering uh, different medicines and offering vitamins and uh, offering help as far as having a, a more healthy lifestyle. So various things that they were doing there. But every single person who was treated physically also was presented with the gospel one-on-one. And there was also open-air preaching. Uh, and because of that, there were over 200 people that made professions of faith that week. And it was incredible to watch how God used that medical ministry to uh, see souls saved, but not just that. Then the village chief, his heart was softened, and he said, "You can come in here, Pastor Zama, and you can start a church in our village." And he even offered him a piece of land for him to purchase uh, to come in there to start a church. And that church just celebrated its third anniversary on Easter Sunday, and it's still doing very, very well. And so when I see that, I see the model, really, or an exhibit of what I would like to see accomplished in various other villages throughout the country. There are other villages very similar, where the chief is is likely Muslim, and and he's maybe closed off to a Baptist church coming into his village, but with the medical ministry, they have seen uh, multiple times where his heart is softened and where he opens the doors to his village to allow a church to come in there. And so we would like to see that happen repeatedly. And so uh, one day you might see in our prayer letters that we're working in conjunction with that, and that's what that's all about. When we work with the medical ministry there, it is for the strict purpose of establishing gospel preaching churches and seeing souls saved because of that. So we're, we're excited about how God can use that, and we've already seen it happen. Uh, in fact, that medical team is, is uh, in another part of the country as we speak, and uh, they had five baptisms in that church this morning uh, where they were able to uh, tr- 
treat the patients, present the gospel with them, and, and, and see that church grow as a result of the medical ministry. So it's still taking place even as we speak literally today. And, and so it's just amazing for us to see how that medical ministry has been effective in, in reaching some of these smaller, unreached villages. And so we, we are excited about how that uh, has so much potential for us in the future. Let me give you a quick timeline. Right now we are in deputation. We've been traveling uh, for 11 months and one day. So today starts our 12th month of deputation. We're excited about that. We're at 64% of our support right now and very thankful for how God has brought that in. And uh, we anticipate continuing to travel throughout this fall and then likely a little bit into next spring as well. We don't have meetings scheduled out past that. Uh, We do believe uh, that it would be feasible for God to raise our support in that timeline. So we're praying that roughly one year from now, we can enroll in language school, and uh, that will most likely be in Quebec. And so we're excited about that because uh, it's a French-speaking nation, so we do need to learn French because I can't, uh, can't speak French except for very, very few words right now, and so that would be uh, very ineffective to go there without learning French. That's a very, very key step. So we're going to do that next year, Lord willing, about a year from now, and then transition from there to the Ivory Coast. So that's kind of a quick timeline. And uh, as you see our prayer letters, then you'll kind of know that that's where they're at. That's the trajectory of where they're headed. If you are interested, though, you can sign up to receive our prayer letters. There's a clipboard on the table there in the foyer. And then there's also a stack of our prayer cards. And uh, there used to be mints, but they're gone. So anyway, that's all right. No no problem. I think we, we went through quite a few of those and uh, those are really our special COVID mints. You know, for all of us who have been wearing masks, we recognize just how much we need a mint. And so I'm, I'm sorry if you, if, you, if you really desperately needed one tonight, but it's, they're, they're all gone. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. Let's pick up the reading in verse 12. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. You see on the screen, the title of the message is, The Cause of Christ Will Continue. The Cause of Christ Will Continue. I believe that oftentimes... We as believers focus on the news, we focus on current events, we focus on all of the negativity that we could possibly focus on, and because of that, we grow weary and discouraged in our walk with Christ and in our mission as a believer and as a local church. And so really what we're trying to do this evening is we're going to recalibrate our perspective, and we're going to focus on this truth that God is working as we've traveled throughout the, uh, the United States, we have noticed that God is working. We've been in maybe 65 churches or so uh, for the last 11 months, and it's been amazing to watch how souls are being saved and people are being baptized and added to the church, how new churches are being planted, and there are some uh, other just great strides in our independent Baptist circles right now that, that God is working, and, and people are, are growing, and local churches are growing. Now, obviously, that's not always the case, but as the, as the norm, that's what's happening in the United States from our experiences, and we've been encouraged. Uh, as we watch churches, it seems like the churches who focus on missions, focus on soul winning, and focus on Bible preaching, God blesses that, and those churches are still thriving and still doing well. But the news doesn't report that, right? The news is reporting other things, and why would they? They, they don't have any interest in us as, as Christians, But what I want us to focus on tonight is that God is working despite what we see in the news. God is working not just in the United States, but God is working around the world. Like I mentioned, in the Ivory Coast, people are being saved and baptized today. People are are, are growing in their walk with, with Christ. Churches are being planted all around the world. 
The cause of Christ will continue, but really, you and I have the option whether or not to be a part of that cause. And so we could say, nah, I don't want to. Or we could be willing to let God use us to further his cause around the world and right here in the metropolitan area of Fostoria. Right here. God can use you. He really can. Look in verse 12 of chapter 1. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, indeed, preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not, or I don't know what to choose. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better." Couldn't we say that? To be in heaven, to be with Christ would be far better. But then you see in verse 24, Paul almost sighs and he says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're going to see here in this passage four ways that God is still working. Four ways that God wants to use us too. And so let's just start right here in verse 12. We've read through the whole passage. Let's start in verse 12. Let's see if I can get this clicker to work. Did I just hit the, the forward button? Aha, uh-huh. we'll turn it on. That is what I was told to do, and I forgot to. All right, there we go. Very first step here in verse 12. I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. You see, I put that phrase, the furtherance of the gospel, in the first bubble. That's really the theme here, that the gospel would be further. Then notice in the middle bubble, that's really kind of our, uh, the, the main point here of this verse, is that God uses my circumstances. The cause of Christ will continue, and and God chooses to use our circumstances. Now, I don't naturally think that way, right? That's why I put, really, we have to recalibrate our thinking, uh, because that's not a natural way to think, to, to say that every circumstance is an opportunity for God to work. But God wants to use our circumstances. He wants to use every part of our life to be able to further His cause. Uh, For instance, about four months ago, we were driving through the mountains of Kentucky, and uh, we pulled a camper on deputation, and our our truck just gave up the ghost coming up the mountain, and it was just really kind of a sad day for that truck. 
Uh, but as we were coming up, it, it was just really kind of interesting because I had my plan all lined up. Where we were going to park, where we were going to uh, be able to minister that evening. It was all going to be great. Everything was squared away. Uh, but my plan just got flipped upside down. And uh, it was amazing, though, because God was using those circumstances to show me that his plan was greater and that he wanted to be able to use a different set of circumstances for the furtherance of the gospel. Let me explain that. So usually um, what we do is we just travel and we don't necessarily stay in hotels. Uh, Sometimes we don't even go to a whole lot of restaurants because we can eat in our camper and things like that. But because our trailer was not with us. And because our truck was in the shop, I was going to multiple maintenance shops. I was having, trying to find a, a place to rent a car. I was going in and out of hotels and all of these different uh, things that I was doing that I don't normally do. And I realized later on that God was wanting to place me in those places on purpose to be able to give me opportunities to witness. So normally I would just go on with my life and not think about that. Uh, But God was trying to teach me to slow down and to use every circumstance as an opportunity to witness. Uh, For instance, we were in a hotel in Urbana, Ohio, and we were sitting on the couch there, and a man walked up to me and asked why we were in town and told me everything about Urbana, Ohio, and everything I needed to go see there in the town. I wasn't really that interested because we were leaving the next day, and I didn't have time to see any of it. But I listened, and then I realized, he's in the mood to talk, so let's talk. And so I, he asked me, why are you here? And so I explained to him that I was a missionary at a conference there and explained to him what I do and uh, explained to him the gospel and how Jesus saved me and how he could save him too. And he listened. And he said that somebody else had just told him that recently and, and he realized he needed to get saved. Uh, he wasn't ready, but he told me he knew he needed to. And he listened and understood the gospel. I would never have been able to witness to that man had I gone according to my plan. But God changed my plan and placed me in a specific situation so that I would witness, so that I would use that circumstance for the furtherance of the gospel. Notice here in verse 12, Paul is saying the things that happened to him. He's referring to trials in his life. Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi from prison. He's writing from prison because he was preaching the gospel and he was imprisoned for that. That's not a good circumstance, but he's saying it's possible to rejoice in the midst of that circumstance because God is using it to further the gospel. Uh, We could go to other passages and see more trials of Paul's life and see how Paul had a proper perspective that in each of those trials, God was at work and God was using those circumstances for the furtherance of the gospel. So it really wasn't about my truck getting fixed. It really wasn't about a hotel to stay in. It was about those opportunities to witness. We were able to give tracks to people and witness to people that I never would have witnessed to. And so it was about that. That's what that change of plan was all about. And so sometimes we need to recalibrate our thinking to allow every single circumstance to be used as an opportunity for the gospel to go forward. Very briefly, I want to mention this as well. Sometimes it's a whole lot more difficult of a circumstance. Your truck breaking down is really not that bad in comparison to some things. Our our pastor in North Carolina is Nathan Diedrich, and his wife Jenny passed away four months ago with breast cancer. And throughout that entire trial, God was at work. And my pastor has told me now, looking back, he said, 
God was working through every single circumstance there. He has counted six people that have received Christ as Savior as a result of his wife's testimony, as a result of the funeral itself or of hearing about her later. (coughs) God has worked. That's a terrible situation from a human perspective. Uh, But God has used that poor circumstance to further the gospel. So it might be something as, as big as that of losing a loved one, or it might be something as small as my truck breaking down. Either way, God wants to use my circumstances to further the gospel. My response, I need to recalibrate my thinking and say, Lord, you can use my circumstances. You can use them. Even if they're difficult, even if they hurt, you can use them to further the gospel. Secondly, drop down to verse 18. We'll see this actually in just a minute. I want to pick up the reading here before we get to that point. Uh, It's interesting that that Paul is now referring to other people that have been impacted. And so you see the middle bubble there. That's our our main point, that God doesn't just use our circumstances, but God uses others. And so Paul said all the way back in, in verse 13, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all of their places. And then he says, many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So people heard about Paul's testimony, and they were more bold in their witness because of hearing about Paul. And so the gospel, uh, or Paul's testimony, began to affect others. But here's where the, uh, the key part picks up in verse 14, or excuse me, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of or out of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Verse 17, but the other, describing a second group of people, the other of or out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So he's describing these two people, that this group of people preaches Christ, but they're motivated out of contention. They're maybe motivated out of a poor disposition or bad attitude. This group of people, they preach Christ, but they're motivated out of love. Maybe love for Paul, love for lost people, maybe love for Christ himself. So there's, there are these two groups of people, and Paul describes both of them. And then he concludes in verse 18, he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense, whether it's kind of done falsely or in truth, either way, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Do you see the key phrase on the left? Christ is preached. Christ is preached. The the work of Christ is continuing. And God is using other people to further his cause. Think with me about people that maybe you know that are preaching Christ, but maybe not doing it the way you would do it. And if that's the case, God can still use those people. Or understand what I'm saying here, not speaking of compromise, not speaking of somebody preaching a false gospel or false doctrine. That's not what Paul's describing. He's saying these people are preaching Christ. They're preaching him accurately, but maybe they do it to attract a following. Maybe they uh, do it out of a poor attitude, a poor disposition. Whatever the case may be, these people aren't doing it the, the right way, but they are preaching Christ, and they're preaching him accurately. And Paul's response is, I can rejoice, because at least Christ is preached. I can rejoice because at least Christ is preached. Now, that's not natural, is it? 
I would tend to say, why are you attracting a following? I, I get the following. That's probably what Paul's thinking. Paul is the apostle. He should get the following. And here are these other people that maybe are not liking that. And maybe they want the following from Paul. And maybe they're thinking, Paul's in prison. Now's the time to attract his followers away from him. Paul doesn't do that. He rejoices because at least Christ is preached. And that's all that matters. And so we've seen the first two thoughts here. First of all, God uses my circumstances for the cause to continue. Secondly, God uses others for the cause to continue. And then thirdly, this is where it starts becoming a little even more uh, practical. That is that God uses me. God uses me. Notice in verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also... Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You notice the the left side, Christ shall be magnified. That's the key phrase here. The first key phrase was the furtherance of the gospel. The second key phrase was Christ is preached. The third key phrase is Christ shall be magnified. God's work is continuing and it will continue. But now here's where it even gets more practical and more applicable to us. He wants to use us. But I have to surrender to God's purpose and and let him use me. He's not going to force me to be used. He wants to use me, but I have to allow him to use me for his cause. Notice Paul's perspective here. There's a a lot that could be said about this, but what is very evident is that Paul has a very clear perspective on heaven and on Christ. That's where his eyes are. His eyes are fixed on heaven, and his eyes are fixed on Christ. He he literally says in verse 23, to be with Christ, that would be far better. I would much rather be with Christ than to be on this earth. I think we could agree with him. That would be. (laughs) That would be better, to be with Christ. But Paul says, to be here is more needful for me. There is a purpose for me being here. God still wants to use me right here. It's hard to have that perspective. It's hard to be able to be in two worlds at the same time. The way Paul describes it even later on in in the book of Philippians, he says that our our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, He says that's where my true citizenship lies. Maybe I'm a citizen of the United States, but more importantly, I am a permanent citizen of heaven. And that is where my eyes should be fixed. Uh, there's a, a fish called the four-eyed fish. You could Google it if you're interested in it. And what, what this fish does is they don't necessarily have four eyes, but they take their two eyes and kind of split their pupils, theoretically, and see above water and see below water at the same time. It's interesting. So they're able to see what's coming above water and see what's coming below water simultaneously. That's interesting to me because I think we can learn a lot from that. We do live on earth, just like the fish lived in the water, but we must keep our eyes fixed on heaven. That's where our eternity lies. And so we cannot get so focused on the things of this earth that we forget that our true citizenship lies in heaven. And that's where Paul has this perfect balance, this perfect perspective on heaven and on earth, recognizing I'd rather be there, but God wants to use me here. I think sometimes we fail to remember that God is still using us here on this earth. And we we think, oh, it's just so difficult here on this earth. And there's so many uh, 
tough times and so much darkness in the world uh, that I think I'm just done. <laughs> we might not say that out loud, but we kind of feel that way. We're just done. We don't want to serve God anymore, and we're just too weary and too tired. We're going to do something super childish, but I hope you'll never forget it. And so on the count of three, let's all take a really deep breath, okay? The count of three. Take a deep breath. One, two, three. All right, let it out. It's always good to breathe deeply. It kind of helps us once in a while. But there's a much bigger point than that. And that is, literally, you're all alive. And that's great. I'm glad you are. I'm glad I'm alive. The fact that we're alive means that God is not finished with us. And if you ever start to grow weary or discouraged, or you might start thinking, I just, I don't know. I think my time here of service is just done. I can't wait to get to heaven. Now, it's great to want to get to heaven. Don't get me wrong. But remember, God's not finished with us. As long as you're breathing on this earth, uh, no matter of whatever stage you are in life, God is not finished with you. As long as you're still living, as long as you're still breathing, God has a purpose for you. That's what Paul says. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for me. God uses me. He wants to use me. He wants to use you. And so I want to encourage you, surrender to his purpose and allow him to use you for his great purpose. Finally, and this is where it kind of all wraps up here, this is that God uses my local church. Remember, Paul is writing to the local church of Philippi. He's writing to the local church of Philippi, and he's saying, you need to be active. You need to be used for God and by God. And so he drops down the reading And in verse 27, he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. So he kind of turns it around. Up to this point, he's been talking about himself. Paul said, God wants to use my circumstances. God uses the people around me. God uses me. And then now in verse 27, he he changes and he says, church, let your conversation, let your lifestyle, the way that you live, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come And see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There's some very key phrases in here, but just quickly, notice at the beginning of verse 27, he says, let your conversation, that means your your lifestyle, your behavior as a citizen. Remember, we are heavenly citizens, so our behavior as a heavenly citizen, only let that behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So let your behavior match how glorious the gospel is. If you read throughout the Bible, you will notice the gospel is always described in a very glorious terminology. The gospel is glorious. It it changes lives. It's all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The gospel is amazing. It's it's holy. It it is glorious. And he says, let the way you live match the gospel. When people look at you, they should be able to see somebody who has been saved by the gospel. Let your behavior be as it becometh the gospel, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast. Get this, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. The word one and one and striving together implies unity. Unity. And he's saying, you as a local church, the local church of Philippi, you need to work together for the faith of the gospel. You you need to be able to 
you be unified with each other so that you can accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. So it's impossible for my wife and I to be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish if we're not unified. That, that's a simple concept. We're a married couple. We need to get along, right? We need to be able to be unified so that we can rear our children the same way. We're not going opposite directions with that. But so that we can do the same events that we need to be doing so we can both end up in the same country one day. We need to be unified. Like, that's a big deal as a married couple. And it's a big deal as a local church. We need to be unified. That's what Paul's saying, to work together. Very quickly, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul refers to a local church as a body. He says the local church is just like a physical body where I have multiple parts to my body and each part has to work properly in order for the body to accomplish what it is supposed to accomplish. Uh, For example, a few months ago I stepped on a nail and for the next couple of weeks I remembered that I stepped on a nail because it hurt. It was really sore. And every step I took I limped because of that stepping on a nail. It's very, very memorable. So it's interesting That one little foot made a big deal, and my whole body remembered that. Every step, it was like, oh, I stepped on that nail. It's the same in a local church. Paul's referring to us as a body. When one member is maybe unrepentant, maybe when one member is disgruntled about something, when one member is not properly functioning and not spirit-filled, the whole body can't go in the direction that God wants the body to go. Because there's one member that needs to change. That's the picture that Paul's painting throughout the New Testament of a local church. And how a local church, every single member, must be unified. Why? He says, for the furtherance of the gospel. That's the key phrase, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There's no way that we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish with the missionaries we support and, and with the outreach right here and with Vacation Bible School, unless we're unified, unless we're all working together. Now, recognize with me, there are some petty differences that we're going to have. Just a silly example is I grew up in South Carolina, and I like boiled peanuts. Anybody ever heard of a boiled peanut? All right, good. Good, that's great. I was at a church recently, and I mentioned boiled peanuts, and some people never heard of it. You know, so if you haven't heard of it, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you feel embarrassed, but just the greatest thing ever. So boiled peanuts, you basically put it in a pot all day, cover it with salt, a big layer of salt, and then just mix it up and, and eat it. So it's, pre- it's pretty great. But my wife doesn't like boiled peanuts because she grew up in Iowa. They never had them there. It's a cultural difference, I guess. Uh, so it's kind of interesting how there's a, a difference, but that's a petty difference. It's okay if I like boiled peanuts and she doesn't. We can still have a unified marriage. There's other things that are a much bigger deal. And I'm not going to name all those petty differences in case they might happen to be a big deal to you. But what I want you to know is there's a lot of little things that you can, you can just overlook. But there's some major things that we are unified on, such as doctrine, salvation, the gospel, the Bible. Uh, as Pastor was preaching this morning, the truth of the Bible and spending time in God's Word, that's what we're unified on. That is what matters. And so if, if, if you are a member of this church and you're in agreement with the doctrine of this church, then you can move forward with this church. And it doesn't really matter if your guy sitting next to you doesn't like boiled peanuts and you do. It, it really doesn't because you are all in agreement on what matters. 
And, and I'm, I'm making a silly illustration there on purpose, and I'm leaving the specifics for pastor to preach there. But what I want us to recognize is that for us to be able to go forward with the gospel, it's vital that we be unified. I believe your pastor said you support about 70 missionaries, and that is to be commended. It's very obvious that you have a missions heart here. Very, very obvious. But in order for that ministry to continue effectively, the unity right here must remain intact. It must. In order for you to effectively reach your area, in order for you to be able to have a great vacation Bible school, all those things, you must be able to continue on in unity as a local church. Very quickly, what is your next step individually? Maybe you need to think about the circumstances and how God wants to use your circumstances. So maybe you need to recalibrate your thinking to allow God to use them. For me, it's a change in my thinking. I'm not naturally thinking, oh, this is a gospel opportunity. I'm so tied up in the details of just getting my truck fixed that I forget to witness sometimes. But I need to recalibrate my thinking and allow God to use every single one of my circumstances. Secondly, rejoice whenever Christ is preached. Even if it's maybe not quite the way I would have preached it, with the attitude I would have it, I can rejoice with Paul because at least Christ has preached. Secondly, or thirdly, maybe we need to surrender our life to God's purpose. <coughs> maybe there's some, some withdrawal from that. We'd rather not allow God to use us. If that's the case, we need to change our thinking there and respond and let God use us, surrender our life uh, to God's purpose, as Paul was saying, because God is never finished with us as long as we're living on this earth. And then finally, involve yourself and your local church. Maybe you'd like to ride the bus tomorrow. That's a great way to apply that. Involving yourself in your local church. You know, whatever the case is, there's going to be things 10 years from now that need to be done here, and, and you as a church member can work together for the faith of the gospel as it's spread both here locally and around the world. I just want to encourage us, sometimes I think we, we forget that God is at work. And we forget that God's at work right here, God's at work around the world. And so I just want to challenge us, God is working. He, he is using our circumstances, he, he is using us, he's using others He's using our local church, and don't forget it, and recognize the cause of Christ will continue whether or not we join. But God wants us to join. God wants to use us to be able to further his cause, both right here where you live and around the world. I want to thank you as a church just for your kindness to us and your encouragement to us. And uh, we are so grateful for this church, and, and we, we are looking forward to seeing what God does with Fostory Baptist Church for many, many years to come. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I ask that you would please use this church, Pastor Henry, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Tony, Brother Quick, and the school, that you would use each one of these men as they lead this church, uh, that you would give them wisdom and discernment. I ask that you please use this local church and every single member uh, to be surrendered to your plan and be ready to be used by you. Lord, whatever change needs to be make it made in our thinking or our attitude tonight so that we can be more effective in our use and a service for you, I ask that we would be willing and ready to make that change tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.